Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of We Us and Ours. We are so excited to have you here with us. It is August. It's wild. Where where has this year gone? I I can't. But I'm very excited because August is my birth month and I am such a huge birthday person. I love birthdays for myself. I love birthdays for other people. I I truly celebrate the whole month and I'm turning 25. So one, I will be having a Spongebob themed party because what's funnier than 24? 25. But also, I feel like I'm really entering into adulthood because I'm not going to have to pay a young person's fee when renting a car anymore. I've officially hit adulthood. But that's a time and a segue that I'm going to share one of my best kept travel secrets, I feel like, because I didn't learn about this until being about 24 and a half, that if you are under the age of 25 and you need to rent a rental car, the way to avoid paying the young person's fee is to get a AAA membership, which maybe cost, I think it's $14 for the year. That's barely a dollar a month. And if you book with Hertz, they will, one, give you a discount for being a AAA member, but they will waive the young person's fee. If I had found this out when I was like 18 or 19, when I started renting cars, when I'd be home from college, I would have saved so much money. So I now share this with literally everyone that I know. So even if you are not under the age of 25, if you have any children under 25, you know anyone under 25, please tell them this information because young person's fees are absolutely absurd and I will die on this hill. It gets me so wound up. So get a AAA membership, book with hearts, don't pay the young person's fee. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> okay. We're getting into it because we will not be spending this whole podcast talking about young person's fees and rental cars. But what we are going to talk about is studying and or living abroad. So strap in because this is a topic that I'm very passionate about, have a lot of experience in, and just excites me. So for any of you who don't know my background as much, I in college, went to High Point University. I studied abroad technically twice and then lived abroad for a third time, which I will get into, but my degree was international business with a concentration in Chinese and then also some entrepreneurship. Didn't take it as a full minor, but still a very big emphasis on it. So, you might think, oh, Charlotte, you studied Mandarin Chinese. Let me guess, you go, you, you went and studied abroad in China. <laughs> Wrong. I studied abroad for a full semester in Paris, France, which we will get to. But my freshman year, I did have the opportunity to go on a language immersion program through my university, which I was very lucky to be able to do as a freshman. And I spent two weeks in China. So I took a class in the U.S. at my university, second semester freshman year, which then prepped me to go spend two weeks in China. There were only six students on this trip, and I was the only girl. I was also the youngest, but I was the mom of the group, and it was 
very interesting. One day we will have another podcast episode of just my two weeks in China and the chaos, the absolute chaos that ensued that trip, including me getting screamed at on a public bus by my professor. It's fine. I'm not salty about it. It's fine. But I did have the opportunity to go spend two weeks in China, which was very unique. It was my first time to Asia and my first time really traveling internationally as an adult. I had been to Ireland and the Bahamas when I was a kid, but I was 18 at the time and this was my first really international trip. And it was a culture shock for sure, but very interesting. Flash forward to the following year, second semester, sophomore year, the opportunity came up for me to do a study abroad for a full semester in Paris. And I had been thinking about it at first. I'm like, well, I speak Mandarin. I don't speak French. Is this really what I should be doing? But I ended up deciding to go for it for a couple of reasons. One, I wanted to spend time exploring Europe. Two, I have French family. And three, it was a business program. So even though I didn't speak French, the classes were geared toward business and or international business majors, and the classes would all be in English. So I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. And it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. There were nine of us that ended up going over five girls and four boys. And we were spread out between two apartments, the girls in one, the guys in the other. Well, we had, there was only four and four because um, one of our, one of our pals studying abroad, she had a boyfriend who lived in France. So she just went and lived with him so that none of us had to share rooms, which honestly, I was fine with, totally content with. Um, but studying abroad in France was really interesting because it gives you a completely different experience from what you were used to in your own schooling system, especially schooling in the U.S. And there was such an international group studying at the university in France where we studied. Uh, we studied at the University of Paris Escrete, which is uh, right down at the end of the line eight. And it's a little bit south of Paris, technically. And we were living in Vincennes, which is right outside of Paris on the east side at the end of the line one. And if you have never been to Paris, I cannot recommend it enough. Paris is one of my favorite cities in the world, absolutely has become my home away from home. And I loved it. The university wasn't as great. But I did make a lot of incredible friends. It was the way that I got connected to a lot of people. And it was a good mix of French students, but also internationals that were studying in France. And that's half of the reason that a student should study abroad is not just, oh, to learn a different, in a different university, a different culture, but it's the networking, it's the experience, it's the life experience, it's meeting new people, it's learning how to be on your own, it's learning how to deal with language barriers and just pushing yourself. Um, the week that we arrived, again, I had no French. I knew nothing. And so we showed up, my friend Nate and I, we, we had both studied or we had gone on the language immersion program in China together, which was really fun that we had the opportunity to then study abroad 
in Paris together. So the day that Nate arrived, because he arrived a little bit a few days after I did, we went to a restaurant down the street and we walked in and they handed us a French menu and we both kind of looked at each other and said, oh no. And in broken French, we're like, oh, parlez-vous anglais? And the guy looks and goes, no, and then walks away. We're thinking, okay, um, so we're going to just figure this out. And so I was ordering a pizza and I recognized some of the words on what was on this pizza, except for one. And so I was just kind of throwing things out, trying to pronounce things. And when I ordered, I thought I ordered a normal pizza. And then honestly, I thought I ordered a glass of champagne to kind of toast to, oh, we're, we're living in France. Um, that is the day that I figured out that champagne and champignon are spelled very similar, pronounced similar, but one means champagne, one means mushrooms, and I hate mushrooms, so my pizza came out with all these mushrooms on it, and I did not get any champagne. I said, man, this is going to be a long six months, so if you do ever have the opportunity to study abroad, the first thing you should learn is the very basic things on menus, how to say, oh, I would like. If you are allergic to anything, please learn what that word means and tell them that you are allergic to it. But that just scratched the surface because as soon as, well, one, it takes one bad experience for me to say, I will never forget what the word mushrooms is in French. But... It also just had me learn to be on my toes and push myself out of my comfort zone, which if you listen to this podcast regularly, you know that life begins at the end of your comfort zone. We are all supporting about pushing yourself and trying new things and just shooting your shot, you know? So it was a very interesting experience studying abroad because as I was told, all of my classes would be in English. And so I had asked, I said, well, I don't really want to miss a semester of Chinese, so can I take a Chinese class while I'm out there? Even though my professor back in the U.S. told me that that class would not count. And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, I don't trust anyone to teach you Chinese like I will, so it won't give you any credit. And I'm thinking, my goodness gracious woman, Ugh. So I didn't want to lose my Chinese for six months and then the summer of not using it. So I said, okay, fine, I'll still take the class even if I don't get credit for it. And I got the approval from my university and from the university in France. And they're like, yeah, absolutely, you can totally take it. It's outside of what we offer for the um, exchange students, but yeah. So I show up on the first day, the class is taught in French. And I'm I'm sitting there. <laughs> this is coming from a girl who just mixed up the word mushrooms and champagne this week. How, how am I going to be taught Mandarin Chinese in French, a language that I do not speak? And I... <laughs> I was so flustered and I tried to talk to the professor and she barely spoke any English she only spoke French and Mandarin and I'm like oh no I can't even like communicate with the teacher this is terrible and so I get the textbook the textbook is in French 
So to even do anything in my textbook, I had to translate, either through Google or through friends, translate the textbook from French to English to be able to do the Chinese. I'm like, oh my gosh, this, this is... The, the arguably the hardest class I've ever taken and I don't I don't know what I'm doing and I willingly put myself through this because I wasn't even going to get credit for it which was just terrible thankfully I had the sweetest girl sit next to me and I am still friends with Maureen to this day and she spoke French was learning Mandarin and she's like you know what I'll help you I really like speaking English and practicing so she was leaning over and translating for me in class almost the whole time so bless her heart I just I could never and it was funny because at the final exam it was an oral exam where we were just going to have to come in one by one we'd pick a topic out of a hat and we had to talk for like five to ten minutes on this topic and we only had five minutes to prepare and so I walked in and I told the professor in Mandarin, I said, I'm really nervous for this. And she's like, oh, no, don't be nervous. Again, in Chinese. And so we're just brokenly communicating with each other. And I picked the topic out of the hat. And as you probably guessed it, it's written in French. <laughs> I look at it and my heart just sinks. I'm like, I'm going to fail. I'm absolutely going to fail this final. And I turn it to her just with this look of confusion and she goes la maison and i look i'm like uh she says "Mm, what a job i said ah my house got it so i have also never forgotten that la maison is house and i pulled out every single vocab word that i could think of to describe a house it wasn't my house I I used all the Chinese words that I could think of. So this poor woman, I'm explaining. I said I described my house as having four floors, an elevator. I think I said like six bedrooms and a forest in the backyard. And she's thinking, who the heck is this American and where do you live? Little did she know that this actually wasn't my house. I was just trying to not repeat the single few words that I knew. But again, it gives you stories. It strengthens your abilities to work on your toes and problem solve. And that's the biggest thing that I feel like I learned from studying abroad was learning to problem solve on my own. I was 19 when I studied abroad. I was a baby. And the things that I had to say, okay, I'm just gonna figure it out. We're gonna make it work. Because When you're studying abroad, you don't typically only stay in that country, especially if you are studying abroad in Europe. Because Europe is a continent that's filled with so many unique, beautiful countries that are all relatively small compared to the U.S., able to get around pretty easily, and once you're over there, it's pretty affordable to travel around. If you have never heard of Ryanair... Ryanair is the spirit airlines of Europe, but honestly, a little bit below, because you can get flights for, I've seen Ryanair flights for nine euros, or nine pounds. It's absurd, kind of scary. It's like, how does this plane actually fly? Are we really getting, it's fine, don't think about it, but they charge you for everything. You have to have your boarding pass printed off before you get there, they will charge you. It's crazy, but when you are on a college student budget, it's fine. EasyJet, 
it works. It's not luxurious, but most of these flights from Paris to XYZ are like an hour, 40 minutes. It's fine. So, while I studied abroad, I visited 13 other countries in Europe, which was an amazing experience. I I don't know if I hadn't studied abroad, if I would be anywhere close to that or have the travel bug that I do. And we were traveling on weekends. I was traveling by myself. I was traveling with the people I studied abroad with. I was traveling with people that I met through my church in Paris, with other people that were studying abroad. Because in Europe, they call it Erasmus. That's kind of their study abroad exchange thing. That's the term, the Erasmus program. So there would be weekend events for Erasmus students. And I went to Belgium one weekend, and that's where I met one of my best friends in the entire world was just walking around Bruges and she walked up to me, pointed to my GoPro and goes, what's that? So it was an absolutely life-changing experience for me. And there were some sketchy times. Nate and I went to Santorini, Greece, and the weather was so terrible that our Ryanair flight got canceled on the way back. We Almost had to spend the night in the airport. Bodies were laying everywhere. And we had a final exam the next, the the day after. So we were flying out around midnight, not that day, but the day after we had a final exam back in Paris. Ryanair said, okay, well, you all can't sleep in the airport. So we'll just shuttle you all to some hotel. We're thinking, okay, it's going to be a big hotel. It's fine. We show up at some random Greek bed and breakfast that was not expecting us that was closed and one person on our flight spoke Greek so he goes and is trying to explain to this poor Greek family that was asleep because it's three o'clock in the morning on why Ryanair has just dropped off an entire plane of people at their inn and said all right find rooms for everyone and so 19 year old Charlotte really didn't know how to handle that but we made it work and it was fine. We made it back for the exam. And we we booked a new flight with a different airline the next day. We're like, nope, we are done with Ryanair. No, thank you. But it those are some of the best stories. Those are the people you meet. The the wildest adventures is what you what you remember and what shapes you. And I know some of you that are listening to this podcast, you might not be in college anymore. So you're like, okay, well, Charlotte, this is great, but I didn't study abroad in college and I'm not at that stage of my life anymore. And that's fine. We're going to talk about that. But I say this kind of stuff because you may not have, but you may have a friend who is considering studying abroad in college. You may have children that would like to study abroad in college. And to... To not be cliche, again, it was one of the best things I ever did. So to have these conversations and share and say, well, this was such an amazing experience for me. I loved it. I grew as a woman and I gained some amazing friendships, memories, life experience. You you just come back a different person. So if you have the opportunity, if you know someone who's considering it, if your child is considering it, I say go for it. And as always, you can always reach out to me if you want to talk more about it. I know some great resources. My friend, Carrie Pasquarello, she is the mother of 
two of my friends from college, and she just wrote a book that is specifically for parents who their children want to study abroad and they want to do it in a safe way. Because I'm not going to lie, I did some sketchy things while I was <laughs> abroad or some situate. I put myself in some situations where I was like, hmm, you know, maybe shouldn't have done that. But it's fine. I live to tell the tale. And I will put a link to that book in the show notes so that you can check it out because I recommend it. It's great. She's great. Yes. But if you have stuck with me and you are not someone who's in college who's considering studying abroad or didn't have the opportunity to, if you are in my age range or you are kind of in that range as well of like young adults not married yet probably, there are certain countries that offer working holiday visas. So if you haven't heard of that, don't worry because I hadn't heard about this until maybe a few years ago, but a working holiday visa is almost like a agreement between a few countries that they say, okay, well, people from your country can come over here they can work and they can live for a certain amount of time. There is usually an age limit, age range, and there's certain qualifications. Either you, some of them make sure that you're in school, you're newly graduated, or they have it, a little bit of an income requirement, not necessarily like, oh, you have to like be making this much a year, just enough that you're not going to become homeless in said new country. And it gives you the opportunity to work and travel in this country for most of the visas are often 6 to 12 months. Which if you think about it, that's a crazy opportunity to say, yeah, 18 to 30, which is what for, so let me backtrack. The examples I will use are for Americans because that is what I can speak to. For the EU, things are a little bit different, but honestly a little bit easier because of the EU. People are able to travel and work and live within the EU, but specifically I'm going to talk about Americans. So if you are an American, if you have an American passport, there are six countries that allow working holiday visas, and that's Australia, Ireland, Singapore, New Zealand, Canada, and South Korea. So for Australia, New Zealand, and South Korea, the age range is 18 to 30. So those are people that are eligible in that age range. For Singapore, it's 18 to 25. And Ireland, I believe the rule is that you have to be 18 when you apply. So if this is something that interests you, you definitely should look into it more um, for the specifics, and there are other qualifications, I believe. It's like, oh, you can't have, like, a felony on your record, thing, things like that. And each country has a different income requirement. Like, New Zealand, I believe it said, is that you need 4200 New Zealand dollars in your bank account to be able to prove, hello, I will not go be stranded and starve in your country. But I know a lot of people who have done these working holiday visas and they're a great opportunity for young adults who maybe didn't study abroad in college or who loved studying abroad in college and want to have the opportunity to do something like that again. 
with a working holiday visa, one of the requirements is that you can't accept a full-time job. So let's say I apply for a working holiday visa in New Zealand because I love New Zealand. We have another podcast episode on New Zealand. So if you are curious about that, go check it out. But if I I can't accept a full-time career job in New Zealand says, okay, well, this is an indefinite position. I get a salary and like it's just open-ended. No, I can't accept that with a working holiday visa, but you can accept a contracted job for six months. Or what a lot of people often do is they go into the tourism industry. They work at hostels or they work as tour guides. Or they go into the restaurant industry and they work as a waiter or waitress or a bartender. Or they work as a nanny. Or you go into retail because no matter where you you are in the world, there are retail opportunities. And that often has a very quick turnover. So there's usually open positions. And it just allows you to have a different experience while you are abroad but allows you to financially support yourself while you're doing it too which is really cool and a lot of people that end up working at hostels the hostels pay for accommodation for them like you live at the hostel which if you are trying to budget that is a very good expense to be taken care of is your rent and there are loads of opportunities there are work away um, programs which is a website that you can go to and see like, okay, well, I want to work abroad. I want to, most of those are more manual labor, working on a farm, harvesting, things of that nature. But the main point of this is, is that there's options. There are so many different options for if you want to work abroad. And if you're like me, you have your own business or you might have a side gig. That is something as well. It's, there's no right or wrong way to make money. Well, I should say, there are illegal things you can do, which would be arguably wrong ways to make money. But I'm saying there are so many different ways to be able to make money to survive or to thrive, because I don't want to just say, oh, we make money to survive. No, like, we are meant to live great, bountiful, flourishing lives. And I think that Having that experience abroad, the networking opportunities, the new friendships, the memories, the food. There's nothing better than living in a different culture for a little bit so you get to try new foods. It came up on my time hop today that three years ago, no, four years ago today, I was in Taiwan. I dream of the food that I had in Taiwan. I have never craved a culture's food like that before. So... You never know what kind of yummy food and adventures you are going to find yourself in while living abroad. Well, you might be listening to this podcast and thinking, okay, Charlotte, those are great, but I don't fit in that age range. I'm not 18 to 25 to 30, or I can't necessarily just pick up. I might be married. I have a kid. I have expenses. Those are all valid, valid things because I do know that I have a lot of people that listen to this podcast who are not in that age range or are in a few stages of life ahead of me, which is totally fine. But there are other options for you too. 
two things that I haven't touched on yet. One, this is, I don't wrap this into a working holiday visa because it is kind of different. And it's honestly its whole own industry. But there is such a huge industry for teaching English abroad. And it's something that might not be rolling in the dough, depending on what, what company you're with, what country you're in. But teaching English abroad, if you are a native English speaker, as many of my listeners are, is a very valid way that you can support yourself while you are studying or living abroad or traveling abroad. Or now that the world has shifted even more digital nomad through the pandemic, There are so many ways that you can teach English abroad over Zoom, over video camera, and not have to actually be in person or be in that country, which I do think there is such a benefit of being there, being with children, and it's going to help you learn the local language too. I honestly, there was a good long while that I contemplated teaching English in China because I wanted my Mandarin to be more fluent or proficient. And that is one of those languages that you will not get fluent unless you go live in the culture for a while. And it just didn't align with my goals and my life path, or at least at the time, to go teach English in China. But it's something that I always wish I had done. I had known people that had gone and done it in Korea. I have a friend who's considering doing it or he's applying for his visa to do it in Indonesia. There are so many options. And if you enjoy teaching at all, it's definitely something to consider. And the last big category that I would put in its own thing, because one, visa requirements will be different, but there's no age limit, minimum, maximum, any of it is volunteering abroad. And I don't want to call it a missions trip or things of that nature because I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that. And I think missions trips sometimes get very bad raps because this is a, (laughs) this is a whole other conversation to go into one day, but the white savior complex. And again, That's not the rabbit hole that I'm going to go down today because that is something that I am passionate about talking about. But there are ways that you can go serve in other countries without coming in and saying, your culture isn't doing things right. Here I am to tell you what my culture does because we do it the right way. Yeah, there is, it's a very cringy thing. I, it pained me to even mockingly say that. But there are volunteer aspects that you can do abroad that work with organizations that you are passionate about, that you morally, ethically align with and missionally align with. And for me, the experience that I had with this was the first experience I had with it was my junior year of college going into my senior year. And I have stuck with this organization. And many of you who are connected with me or see any of my stuff outside of this podcast, know that I'm very actively involved in an orphanage in the Philippines. And that, my heart, I don't even know how to describe it, but the people in the Philippines, the people at the Rual Foundation, the children, the experience, it, it 
shaped me more than arguably almost any other experience in my life. And I have gone back four times to the Philippines to go visit the orphanage, to go volunteer and do what I can. And again, it's not, I don't, I wouldn't call it a missions trip. I'm going and just getting to spend quality time with the kids and do what I can to help them, support them, and just love on them. And every time I've gone, I've gone between two to four-ish weeks. Because if you are an American citizen, you can go to the Philippines for 28 days without needing a visa. And it's if you pass that, maybe 30 days. I feel like I, I feel like it's 30 days and I usually leave on the 28th day because I don't want to risk it too much, which I did have an issue with because I flew over one time and I flew to Manila. They stamped my passport and I immediately left and went to Vietnam and I came back after a week in Vietnam, re-stamped me in the Philippines. I spent 28-ish days there flew out to Taiwan, came back, and I had no, I wasn't leaving the airport. I was just going to change terminals. But when customs was like, excuse me, why are you entering back into the country? You don't have a visa and you've been here for like 29 days. So, oh, no, no, like I'm not, I'm not coming back in. My flight to and from America was just like through here. So I have to they detained me for hours. Like they did not let me roam through the airport. I was put in a room. They took my passport. I wasn't able to collect my suitcase. That's a story, honestly, for another, another podcast, the in-depth of that, because then I was escorted by military guard from one terminal to the other. It was insanely stressful. 20-year-old Charlotte did not know what was going on. But again, you learn how to be a problem solver and I live to tell the tale. Again, we we will dive into that on a deeper level one day. But going back to the volunteering abroad, that is something you can do at any age. And it's it puts you in such a different perspective because it's not traveling. You're not, oh, I'm, I'm traveling to this other country. No, you're going to volunteer. You're going to serve others. And you get a local perspective of things. Where the orphanage is in the Philippines is, the way, the way that I get there, that's the easier way to describe it, is that I fly into Manila, I have a driver pick me up, because I I know my battles. Dealing with public transportation in Manila could save me a few bucks. Not gonna do it. Not gonna get it down to Batangas, which with traffic can be like a two to three hour drive on a public bus that may or may not have air conditioning. So I pay for a driver. Shout out to Kuya J, who is the best. And I've been with Kuya J every time I've flown. So again, you can budget with traveling, but then sometimes for your own safety and well-being, just spend the extra money. And I have a driver pick me up from the airport and transport me down to Batangas, which like I said, can take a good, good chunk of time, to a ferry. And then I take the ferry, which depending on which ferry you get, the fast cat, super cat, or the big large one that holds trucks, could take you about an hour and a half to four hours to get from Batangas to Calapan. 
And Calapan is the capital city of Mindoro, and that is the island directly below, like, Luzon, where Manila is, that big area. Because, if you are not familiar with the Philippines, the Philippines is a completely island nation. So, ferries are a good way to get around certain islands, or flights, if you can. But, for me, the only option is ferry. So I took the ferry over, and then, usually someone from the orphanage picks me up, or I could take a trice, which is almost like an Uber you would consider. It's essentially a motorcycle with a sidecar, and you can just, like, call them, and you're like, hello, this is where I'm going. Um, or if you're going something far, going farther to, say, um, Puerto Galera, you could take a jeepney, which is almost like a public bus, but it's just a military-like van in the way of it's just too large benches and everyone just sits facing each other and it's like a jeep but like really really long and fits 20-ish plus people and that's not including if you put people on the roof but we're getting off topic regardless with volunteering abroad you can do it at any age there's no there's no restrictions besides what you are passionate about what your mission aligns with for me my mission and my those causes that keep me up at night this aligned really well because I lost my mom at a very young age and though I am not an orphan I know what it's like to have that missing piece and I also just adore children so for me the opportunity to go volunteer at an orphanage and help the kids with their schooling, to take them on adventures, to read to them. That was something that really sparked joy in me. And those kids are practically like my little babies. I love them. I know all of their names. I know what their favorite color is, their favorite book, like working on their homework, all those fun things. It wasn't, again, it wasn't a missions trip, but a volunteer opportunity. And you never know what doors could open when you step out of your comfort zone to do something like a volunteering abroad trip. The opportunity came up, and over the years, I've been able to, through my university, through my own stuff, be able to donate about $12,000 to the orphanage through, like, supplies and through activities like we did a huge outing one year that we took the older kids up to Manila and we did a huge weekend out it was like our own family vacation so all of this to say is that volunteering abroad is such a great way that you can learn about a local culture because like I was saying it takes so long to get down to the orphanage we're not in like populated metro Manila we are local local so I learned about Filipino culture, about the language, and how to live like a local. You're not in a touristy spot, and that's one of the best parts about volunteering abroad, is that it's usually more quote-unquote off the beaten path. And it gives you a true look into a culture that is not your own. And you don't know what opportunities are going to come up and how you are able to serve this organization later, even if you are back in your own home country. But in recap, there's so many different ways, no matter what stage of life you're in, to go spend some time in another culture and learn from them. And that's the key point is 
to spend time in another culture and learn from them because I love being an American but I I get so pained when I see so many Americans that are like this is the American way this is the only way to do it this is right everything else is wrong I'm like no we can learn from so many other cultures and people about what they do and how we can enhance our own lives because yeah There's always room to improve. But whether you are looking to study abroad in college or study abroad in a post-grad program, go get your master's overseas. Go to med school overseas. Go get your PhD overseas. If you want to live abroad for a little bit, a working holiday visa, work away. There's not one size fits all for anyone for teaching English abroad for volunteering abroad again I cannot emphasize it enough there is no cookie cutter this is what you should do this is what country you should go to but there are so many options and there's something that will fit for you if that is what you want and I would encourage everyone to consider spending some time abroad because we could all learn from people that are different than us that come from a different background that come from a different culture and demographic and financial background and food background we can always learn from other people and the stories that you'll hear the stories you'll create the memories you'll make That's what changes a person. That's what grows and makes a well-rounded person. And a little disclaimer is visas are something you do not want to mess with. You do not want to get kicked out of a country. You do not want to get detained for hours in the airport. So always take that extra time to look into what the visa process is, what the fine print is, And look for your country. As I said, I can mostly only speak to an American perspective because, unfortunately, until I marry an international man, (laughs) kidding, only, not really, um, I only have an American passport, so that is what I'm able to speak on. But take some extra time, research what countries your home country, what passport you hold, allows working holiday visas, to go visit other countries. And if you feel a little bit lost, feel free to reach out. I can help do the research along with you. That's part of some of the consulting that I offer. So just know that you are not alone. But I would really consider everyone who's listening to look into some options for what might fit for them. And it doesn't have to be six months to a year. be two weeks, a month. But go push yourself out of your comfort zone. Go learn from another culture. Meet new people. Try new foods. Sleep under, I don't want to say different stars, but if you're in a different hemisphere, it is. But try something new. Go shoot your shot. Apply for the visa. And I want to thank you for riding this adventure of studying, living abroad, working abroad with me. I will be sharing more in-depth some of these stories in the near future because they are doozies that in 
require their own podcast. But if you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to share it with people that are considering studying, living, working abroad. Post about it on social media. Make sure that you are subscribed. New episodes come out every other Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. We, us, and ours are on social media, on Instagram. And I hope you all have an amazing August. Start the month off strong. And we will see you all here again together soon. Thank you.